Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you'll find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the lines. The Army Ordnance Corps. Welcome once again to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Once again, I am Sergeant First Class Adam Ross, Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th Expeditionary Sustainment Command. And we have another great episode for you today telling a very unique story of a soldier who is in 19th ESC. We are talking today with Sergeant Trey Banda. Welcome to the podcast, Sergeant Banda. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on today. So we usually uh, kick things off with kind of talking about how our guests came to be in the Army, and I understand you had a family connection to the Army that kind of brought you in. That is correct. So can you, so what, what was that family connection? Um, my brother joined the Army, and uh, um, that's what kind of brought the idea of joining. Um, he went first to Alaska and just told me all the great things and opportunities out there for me. So I decided to, I was 21 years old with a, uh, with one child and another child on the way and i said what a great way to get my life going in the right direction then none the least to join the army so and that, and you told me you before you 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 both grew up in arizona so he, he went from arizona to alaska and that he liked that transition <laughs> oh yeah uh, alaska is one of those hidden gems that no one really talks about yeah i hope to get over there myself one day so and you you enlisted as a 91 golf uh, 92. Uh, oh 92 golf excuse yes. me um culinary specialist and was that had you been interested in the culinary world before was that kind of just a spur of the moment thing what, what was that um honestly it's kind of a unique story so i joined the army as an actually an idiot mike okay um so I, when i went to basic training i failed the hearing test oh. and so i went through the med board process and um they said hey you can either become a 92 golf culinary specialist or you can get med boarded and i chose to stay in the army and you know serve, serve our country and it was the greatest decision I ever made. Um, I love the culinary field. I didn't think I'd love it as much as I do, um, but I do enjoy it, and it's carried over to my daily life. Now, me and my wife, we cook a lot, and uh, I enjoy it very much so. Yeah, that, that is an interesting story. So you, you is your hearing, do you think you have bad hearing, or was it just like how the, a bad test or what? <laughs> um, I've always known I've been slightly, a uh, little bit of hearing loss, uh, tone deaf, essentially, right? Um, but didn't know as bad as it was. Um, so I got through MEPS and then they caught it thankfully at, uh, in reception at basic. Um, but now I have an H3 profile, but so basically they wouldn't want you joining the band yeah, you're, you're, you're good for a lot of other jobs. Okay. And so you spent, so you went to Fort Huachuca. So back to your home state of Arizona, yes. you were 91 golf. And then, uh, at that time, your brother was in the old guard. Uh, he was actually at Fort Huachuca. Okay. Uh, wow. he, he, he was a 4-2 Alpha, so he helped me get um, to a lot of places that I would like to be. Uh, brought me to Fort Huachuca. And then shortly after getting there, he had volunteered to go to the Old Guard. Um, and so I didn't really know much about it until he got there. And then you know, we, me and my brothers were really close, so we communicate uh, quite a bit. And he informed me of all the opportunities there, um, the drill team, the um, case on platoon, and the tomb, and a bunch of other things. It's endless there. So... 
I decided, you know, hey, let's go ahead and get this a shot. And before he had told you much about it, what were, did you have any knowledge about the old guard or any um, expectations about it? I had zero knowledge. Okay. <laughs> so you had never been to Washington, D.C.? or No, I have not. Okay. And so what, what did he say that really motivated you to put in your packet for the old guard? Uh, mostly a challenge. I always am looking for the next thing to challenge myself, to sh um, you know, show my potential, my character to my core. And so that's always what I'm trying to do. What's the next thing I can do to put myself in an uncomfortable situation, but to succeed and just, you know, that types of things, you know, small challenges in life will get you to that big step, you know, that big thing in life. Yeah. And so we, we've seen, you know, what the old, a lot of us have seen what the old guard is all about. I've, I've had the pleasure of seeing um, changing of the guard in person a couple of times, like when I was stationed uh, around the nation's capital. But um, what, so the, the, the job itself is obviously demanding, but what about the application process getting, um, getting accepted in the old guard? What, what was challenging about that? Um, just setting myself apart from my peers. I was a PFC at the time when I dropped my my packet, um, I had been in the army for you know very little time, and I had a lot of great leaders at Fort Huachuca that wrote a lot of uh, letter recommendations that kind of got me, you know, past a lot of my peers, maybe even some people that were you know above a uh, higher in rank. So those leaders helped me um, grow and mature to be that person to get accepted at the old guard, sir. And so for soldiers putting in their packet at the old guard, you basically are under the understanding that you would be doing your MOS at the old, you, you would be in um, a 92 golf at the old guard. Is that how it started? Yeah. So if you, if you volunteer at the 92 golf, you'll go over there and it's mandatory for you to do at the very least one year. And then at that point, that is when you can um, volunteer to do other specialty platoons within the unit. And so before we get into your, your service as a, as a Sentinel, what was it like um, working on, as your MOS um, at the Old Guard? Very demanding. So um, they got a lot of events going on there. Army 10 miles, huge over there. A lot of people coming from around the country to do this. Um, and also you have, when I first got there, was the inauguration. It was, um, so I, I got to play part of that in security, um, actually down at the IRS building for that event. Um, so that was pretty uh, challenging. A lot of different things. Twilight Tattoo, you had to uh, be a part of as well. So not only are you getting to your MOS, but ceremonial things. And then when you first get there, you go through a three-week program teaching you how to march because they march different, how they make their medals and all sorts of different things. You go through a lengthy process to get up to that old guard standard. So you, you can't go into it with the mindset like like if I went there, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a 46 Sierra just just taking pictures at the old guard. Like, no, like everyone, you know, has a kind of a, a special part to play in the overall mission. Right. Yes. And so you mentioned the security during the inauguration, because that's another interesting part about the old guard is that they they're not just a ceremonial unit like they are kind of the, the capital security. That is correct. Unit. Yes. Yeah. And so um, was that was there additional training, like maybe something you didn't get as a 92 golf to perform security mission? Um, they definitely went through like a, a couple day walkthrough of what our responsibilities are as far as like being able to manage because we, you know, we can't engage with the public. We can only kind of mitigate any type of threats. And we obviously um, we tell the police to, hey, mm -hmm. this individual is acting at him, you know. But I would think just just being your physical presence there with, with you know in uniform is probably deter a lot of threats. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> and so um, let, 
so you're you're there as a ninety two golf. You're you're in the old guard. You're facing a new challenge. What was through that whole first year? Is your mind still focused on becoming a part of the the tomb guard? Initially, no. So I, I joined that old guard to do something other than cooking. That is correct. Um, but I had to do my one year, and, and during that time, I weighed a couple options. That was the drill team was my first um, thought. Was like, hey, I want to go do this, you know. Um, and then after about a year of doing there, then I realized that the tomb was like the hardest thing to do there. It was almost like a, uh, a cloud over that, that platoon for some reason, you know, the, uh, the attrition rate of that is, is astronomical. You know, people that go there, I went down there with a th- uh, approximately 30 soldiers and me and I believe three other, um, soldiers actually passed. So, um, once getting all the knowledge about that specific platoon and I had a soldier that went down there when I first got to the unit um, and he came back and informed me of how difficult it is. And, you know, being a nice golf, you know, you got to set the standard high, you know, we're not really looked upon as, you know, one of the um, greatest like MOSs, you know, not like an infantry or something like that. Um, so I wanted to prove to um, my soldiers beneath me that you can do anything you set your mind to. And what not least was to go through and do the toughest platoon in the old guard. And as I understand it, you were the first 92 golf to be a, a sentinel. No, I am the fourth, the fourth. Okay. Yes. But still not, not, not as well represented as some of the other MOS. Yes. I, I would think. Um, and so, yeah, just take, take us through that. Then what, what kind of preparation did you have to do before getting accepted into the, as a, as a tomb guard? Um, so I submitted the packet into the, the platoon. I did an interview process with their chain of command. And then once I got through that, got through that portion of it, you started um, a four-week program. It's where they start breaking it down and going through even more in depth of uniforms and knowledge and marching because you already learned about the old guard, which is it's similar, but I would say more dramatic. As you see, we do our heel clicks, and those are all things that have been done prior to us. So um, going through all that, and then once you've passed this portion of it, you can get you know you get the grasp knowledge of what you're supposed to learn. And then at that point in time, you get assigned to a relief. There are three reliefs, and all of them are based on height. You have your third relief, about 5'9 and below soldiers. Then you have second relief, which I was on, which is about 5'10 and about 6 foot. And then first relief, those are the tall ones. Um, And so I I assume those reliefs all serve together on the – how many soldiers are in that relief? Um, I can't really give you the number, but uh, I tell you we're infantry-sized platoon. Um, so it works like a fireman schedule. So you'll work 27 hours on, you'll get 20, uh, 24 off and then so on and so forth throughout it. And at the end of that first five days, you have on off and so on and so forth. And the last four days you'll, you'll be off for the four days. And then on the ninth day, you'll actually um, come in and get trained up and go on the plaza and go through the ceremony in preparation for your work cycle. Wow, so that that's a yeah very challenging work schedule I can imagine, and so I've I've seen as speaking against someone who's who's gotten to see the the old guard in person um, at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I mean, it really is just um, it's it's very dramatic just how much perfection they exude. Just every every movement is just so in step and and exact so what what do you what what goes on behind the scenes of that how do you get to that point during during that week training i mean it took me approximately two months before i could even go in front of the public so those soldiers that you are seeing out there during the day 
those soldiers have been training for the last two to three months just to get out there and, and you know, um, conduct the ceremony. There is so much training. And then even at night, that's where you that really, that's when you get down. You, you're pressing your uniforms, your trainers teaching you how to shine every single thing. Everything is either made or modified by the tomb guards. Nothing we get is actually, you go to, you go to clothing and sales and you put on your uniform and it's called a day. Everything is made that much better in honor of the unknowns. Wow. So we are going to take a little break right now, but we're going to come back and talk to Sergeant Banda a little more about what it was like being in the old guard and what he's doing now here at 19th ESC. Stay with us. Hey, Team 19, we are here to thank you for continuing to do the right thing as the fight against COVID-19 continues. The recent rise in COVID-19 cases shows that we cannot become complacent. We must ensure that we do everything we can to protect ourselves and our communities. This is so we can protect our bubble and be ready to sustain the fight tonight. We can accomplish this by continuing to follow the core tenets. Wear a mask whenever required. Avoid large groups and crowds and maintain social distancing. Keep where you live and work clean and sanitized. Also keep yourself healthy by staying active and getting the right amount of rest and proper nutrition. If feeling sickly, leave quickly and call the USFK COVID hotline. Follow all Republic of Korea guidelines when off installation and avoid hotspots. And if you haven't already done so, consider getting vaccinated to protect yourself and your teammates. Team 19. Every, Every soldier, soldier counts. counts. When we left on the break, we were talking about um, the immense preparation you do have to do with the old guard. And so um, something that's always kind of fascinating to me is like in the army, like you rarely have an audience, you know, like especially like you do at uh, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington National Cemetery. You have people who may have traveled great distances primarily to see uh, what, what your fellow soldiers are doing. So is there some of an element of kind of like stage fright or are you nervous before you go out there? Yes. Uh, that was one of the hardest things to get over. Um, you kind of have to have your blinders on and focus on what you've been focusing on for the last three months to get you to this point to go out in front of the crowd. Um, but you know, it never changes. Every time I stepped out of that door, you know, you go in, you go in the mode and uh, you still get nervous. You still get those jitters and uh, walking down that, that path. It's almost, it takes your breath away. And that right there is um, one of those things that like keeps you going through those long nights. And you think about all those, t those moments and those, those, those war heroes that come to, to salute the unknowns and to lay, do wreath ceremonies and such. Um, that is your motivation right there. And let's talk a little, I mean, you're obviously an expert on, on the old guard. I've only read a little bit about this part of it, but kind of the, the origin of the, the, the guard in front of the tomb of the unknown soldier, how that started. Could you give us a little brief on that? Yeah. So the tomb of the unknown soldier wasn't always guarded. Now at one point in time, um, the, these photographers and, and such were charging, um, visitors of Arlington National Cemetery to come and take photos in front of the tomb. And there were people that would take actually chips of the marble off of it. And there was a Arlington National Cemetery employee who decided to say, hey, we need to, like, this is not okay. That's not what it was meant to be. To, um, so he decided to, to post himself, right, and to guard it throughout the night. 
And then the third cav unit, the army caught wind of it, like, hey, you know, this is our soldier. So they decided to to third cavalry unit to take over to guard the unknowns. But even then, that was only during the uh, the, the daytime. Still at night, people were coming over the wall and disrespecting the tomb. And then at that point in time, um, the old guard was um, took ownership of it and decided to guard it 24 hours. And what, what, do you remember what time that was? What, what year? When it started as like a full-time thing? Well, we'll, we'll fact check that later. Yeah, no, no worries. But um, I'm looking through some of these, these pictures um, of, of you in uniform, and, and it really, I mean, there, there's no more impressive uniform than, than the old guard uniform. And, um, and it's really, you know, we, we've seen the pictures of, you know, it's rain or, sh- rain or shine. We've seen the pictures of the, of the Sentinels there in down, a downpour of rain. What, was, what are your memories of braving the, the Washington, D.C. weather during your, your job? There were a few times there, there were torrential downpours. Um, to be honest, my shoes, hmm. those shoes I have started, those shoes took me 10 months to get to the, to even pass. So, and every time it rains or even if it gets hot, you know, it bakes your shoes like an oven or when it rains, it just floods it and all the polish comes off. So, um, they're great. You know, they're, they're iconic photos, but you know, it takes a long time to get back. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And so you're, you're wearing the, uh, one of the rarest badges in the army, the, the tomb guard badge. So there's, I think you, you said the number for me before there's only what, 600 some soldiers who. Approximately right now. Yeah. About 680 some. So what are what are some of the reactions you get wearing your 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 OCPs and people see that badge? A lot of people don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not well known. Um, it's it's pretty. It is one of the rarest badges in the United States uh, military. Um, only six hundred eighty that we talked about, and I'm badge number six seventy two. Um, a lot of people think it's a laptop. They think I'm <laughs> IT, <laughs> but you know um, I, I can kind of see that now. And that you mentioned, yeah. So. Um, and then they asked me, what is that? And I explained to them. And even, even after explaining to them, they don't really know. So I kind of have oh. to just, have you ever been in Arms National Cemetery? And kind of walk through that um, story. And then, you know, they're very appreciative. And, uh, yeah, just looking at some of these, these other pictures. So, um, yeah, you in- inspecting the rifle. So that, that's one of the ones, parts of the, the whole experience that I'll never forget, just the, the sounds of uh, checking the, the chamber and all that. So um, what, what, what do you remember from, from that? part of the ceremony um so to get to that point of the guard change and actually inspection of the rifle um very long process and you have to do a lot of training and uh they call it uh weapon strength training and so you have to do different movements and holds and stuff of that nature and you do that all the time practicing in front of a mirror and then those uh those weapons you know we clean them every single day every single night no rust and then not only that we actually make the stocks so we actually carve them out to make them to where we can do those types of movements. Wow. You know, the pistol grip, we shave off, sand it down, we stain it and poly it. And to make one of those stocks, it takes about, you know, two months or so to, to get it actually out the door. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of memories um, in the paint booth working on mm. those stocks. And before we transition to your time here in Korea, let's uh, we have these great pictures of your, uh, your kind of your farewell ceremony um, with with the old guard. What can you tell me about that that ceremony and what they do? Yeah, uh, so that's the last walk ceremony. Um, at the end of your time down there, they uh, conduct that, and you your family divided. This is the first uh, first and only time your family will be authorized to walk on the post or on the plaza. 
And at that point in time, you'll, um, it's a unique process because you have a lot of people that you've been training. Once you've passed, your job now is to, is to train the future tomb guards. So a lot of times it's a sentimental thing and you bring those uh, soldiers and you, one's going to be your walker, one's going to be your changer, and so, so on and so forth. They post you. You do a, a 30 minute walk in the morning and then plus it's not in front of the crowd. So it's tip, it's just for us. You know, it's not for a show. It's not for anything. It's just for the tomb guards and to pay respects, your final respects to the unknowns. Um, so once you've done your last 30 minute walk, uh, that is when your your host, which is my host, was Staff Sergeant Courtney. Uh, he was my trainer. Um, really solid guy. He got me out there and got me right. Um, and he brought my family down, my wife and two kids. And the, he handed me roses. I gave two two of the white roses to or two of the pink roses to my wife and daughter, and then a white rose to my son. I then went and grabbed four red roses from him, and that is when I went and fain, paid my final respects, laying um, one of them in front of the World One Unknown and in front of the three crypts and saluting it. And then they played taps for one final moment. And at that point in time, I walked back, grabbed my family, and then we walked off into the sunset. Wow, now that that's powerful. And um, so, yeah, what a, what a way to leave uh, an assignment like that. And uh, now you're in you, Korea. You came here to be part of uh, our, our famous uh, culinary team here with the 19th, the 541st Field Feeding Company. And so what, was it hard for you to get back into kind of that, that cook lifestyle? Yes, uh, definitely difficult um, just because I had been out of the loop for 18, 19 months. And culinary, you know, things are changing every day. Every month they're putting put something else out. So I had to get back in the books, get back on the ground run, hit the ground running, and kind of catch up to what all these other people have been doing while I've been um, being a tomb guard. So um, it was definitely difficult to get back. Yeah, I'm, I'm always kind of in awe of the, the, the culinary soldiers we have here, just how much, I mean, the mission never slows down. You know, you're always you have the next meal coming up. We have uh, several defects here in, in Area 4. A lot, a lot of people don't realize, you know, we, we run 541st is even up at Yongsan, right, run, running that yes. one up there. And, and so um, what, what have been some of the new, how, how have you added to your culinary toolbox while you've been in Korea, do you think? Um, so I got a, a unique experience up at Rodriguez Range. Um, I was up there for approximately 40 days, um, got out there, served in the field, and um, that was pretty unique. I'm mean, being in Korea. It's uh, with the delivery and the orders and working with Korean nationals and a lot of different rules that you know, I had to learn from getting here. Uh, that was the biggest challenge that I had to overcome since arriving to Korea. Yeah, I can imagine that's a big transition. Yeah, we, we have... Um, you- really some some awesome korean teammates i know and then the defects i mean you you see the night soldiers were in the 19th patch but you you always see our our korean nationals there too um helping with that mission and so you were able to bring your family here to korea and had they ever traveled uh, internationally before you got here no this is our first time and and uh, so what can you, not everyone's able to bring their family here um it's something that they we're able to do more now they're building more housing here on camp walker um what 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 can you tell us a little bit more about the experience of of bringing your family here and what's like um you know having kids you know and, and a, a spouse here on in area four well i will say coming to korea uh, during the pandemic was extremely difficult um i was put on hold for approximately six months uh, multiple deferments and once arriving here, having going through the quarantine process with the family and my son, he was five at the time, not very understanding with, you know, going through this, you know, um, 
but you know with the team down there uh, up there at Humphreys they did a solid job of providing with the food with the internet and almost anything we need and the support um, through the Facebook they have a Facebook page there where you can put in an order through the commissary so that was extremely helpful in that transition process you get here you they shuttle you right to the barracks room and shut the door and hit you with a COVID test um, after that 14 days we come down here to area four and uh, didn't realize how big it was I you know I was I underestimated how large Daegu was and how many opportunities there are here and the things that are um, available to you e-world um, me and my family were a big e-world fan we actually got season passes we love it so much oh, really yeah so we go there almost every every other weekend as much as we can you know this monsoon season's kind of slowing us down but yeah e-world is the uh, local amusement park here in Daegu and uh, something we've uh, one of our other guests said uh, Master Sergeant Savage the retention NCO is like you know in in uh, some parts of Korea you know, you can say you were, were, were kind of a little more removed from the Korean experience, but with Camp Walker, Camp Henry, we're literally in the city. You know, we have to drive, go through the city to get to where we work. So what, what's been your experience with that? Um, driving has been a very difficult thing, um, but thankfully, good teachers at the, the driving office over at Camp Walker, they helped me out with that. Um, and they've been helping my wife get a job. The schools on post are outstanding. Uh, they're a small school field, and the teachers do a great job. Um, coming from Virginia, they had closed schools down for four to five months, and they were, you know, this was early on with tele, with working via the internet. So, um, getting here, they were out of school for about seven, eight months. But uh, after the transition to Korea. And so my children were a little behind the power curve here. But, you know, thankfully, the teachers, uh, constant emails and updates and uh, sending home packets that we could work on one on one at home, you know, making the mission happen. So um, tremendous um, staff here in Korea. Yeah, I have a young son at the school, too. We've had nothing but good experience. But and uh, I, I, I tell people that driving in the capital region kind of prepared me for driving in Korea. So I'm right. sure that was similar for you. So um, what about the, the future? I mean, do you see yourself um, going to any other um, broadening assignments or where do you see yourself in five years? Five years, my my current goal, I don't like to express my goals too much, but, you know, for every social Counts podcast, um, I would like I'm going to um, submit a recruiter packet. Um, I want to bring some good soldiers into the United States Army, you know, explain and tell them my story and uh, hopefully change people's lives. And then my goal is about 10, 11 years. Then I plan on um, becoming a warrant officer and uh, in the culinary field and affecting those lower enlisted um, and making the defect run efficiently. Okay, well, that's great to hear. I mean, you've got some some broad goals, and um, hopefully, I would think your 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 tomb badge would uh, come in handy as a recruiter. It'd be an interesting story to tell uh, the next generation of soldiers. Well, we wish you good luck, Sergeant Banda, and thanks so much for coming by on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. All right, and we will talk to you next time here on the Every Soldier Counts podcast, Sergeant Banda. Thank you again. Thank you very much.